just worship Him. His presence is here. His presence is here. His presence is here. His presence is here. Wait before him. Just wait before him for a moment. His spirit is moving. His spirit is moving. His spirit is hovering over the waters, over his people. His spirit is resting, resting upon his people. His spirit is resting upon his people. His glory is resting upon his people. thank you Jesus we thank you for your presence we honor you and we worship you we honor you all honor and glory all honor and glory is due to you Father. Thank you, Father.
Have a seat where you are, please. You're still standing. Have a seat. Sometimes it's hard to move forward when His presence is here. You have to learn to wait on the Holy Spirit. Because He's the one that moves us. He's the one that guides us and directs us. It's, an, it's not about just having another service or another meeting. We want to acknowledge the presence of God. Amen? Amen. We, want to, we want to acknowledge His presence. We want to move with His Spirit. Because when I come, I don't come with, with an agenda. It can change at any moment. He can change things at the last minute. And so we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to His voice. Sensitive to His leading and how He's moving. So the Holy Spirit's always moving. It's like in Genesis 1, in the very beginning. It says the Spirit of God was hovering or moving over the waters. He's always moving. He's never not doing something. He's always moving. He's always doing something. Amen? Well, I want to thank you so much for being with us this morning. I know there's a few faces that are familiar faces and then those that I haven't met here. So we honor you. We welcome you. We want to thank you for joining us. And I want to thank Franklin and Sharon and her son David for leading us in worship. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. And where are we? This is our third week. Three weeks. Wow. And um, we've had three wonderful, awesome services that have just been filled with the presence of God thanks to Franklin, Sharon, and David. Amen. And God is so good. I'm just so thankful. And I'm, it, it feels like it's extremely hot in here to me. Is anybody else hot in here? Tracy, can you check with them? It's, it's extremely warm in here. Either that, and, and I know the difference between the Holy Ghost and, and, and what's not Him. And it's not the Holy Spirit. But... Amen. I want you to, if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to John, the sixth chapter. And we're going to start there. If you don't have it, then just read along with me. And as I was getting ready this morning, um, the Holy Spirit just led me and He said, I want you to to preach about the power of the blood of Jesus. And I said, yes, Lord. And I didn't know that they were going to sing some of the songs that they sang. Um, we didn't plan that. But the Lord said, I want you to minister and preach on the power of the blood. Does anybody know about the blood of Jesus? The power of the blood of Jesus. It's not just any blood. Amen? But it's an innocent blood. It's a precious blood. You know, the Bible describes, describes the blood of Jesus as precious blood, as an innocent blood, a blood without spot or, or blemish. And, you know, I think about what 
John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus coming, who happened to be his cousin. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And you know, from the beginning, from the very beginning, the Bible has mentioned blood. There's always been a sacrifice from the very beginning, from Genesis. You know, when Adam first sinned, and he was separated from God, he hid himself. But God came looking for him. And God came calling out to him, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? God was looking for Adam. Even though that he had sinned and disobeyed God, and his sin had separated him from the Lord. And before that happened, he had continual communion with God. He was always in God's presence. The Word of God says that he walked with the Lord in the cool, the Lord walked with him in the cool of the day. And so the Lord provided a sacrifice even for Adam in Genesis. And he said, because Adam was trying to cover himself with leaves, with fig leaves, and this or that, to cover up his, his nakedness. Because before that, you know, he didn't know sin. And it wasn't shameful to be naked. But once the veil was lifted, there had to be a covering. So the Lord instructed him to slay an animal. And blood was shed, had to be shed. And then God provided a covering for Adam to cover himself in his nakedness, which is symbolic of covering his sin. So all throughout the Old Testament, any time that God makes a covenant, there always has to be a sacrifice. There always has to be blood shed to atone or cover. Atone means to cover for your sins. Okay, so there's any time God makes a covenant, so that's why in the Old Testament, the priest had to continually bring sacrifices. They had to continually slay animals for the sins of the people to be atoned for. They had to slay goats and bulls and all these different things and pigeons and birds and whatever. All these different animals, the blood had to be shed to atone for their sins. But their sins were never completely erased under the Old Covenant. They were just covered by the blood of animals. And it appeased God for a time. It was an offering and a sacrifice that was acceptable to God. And God gave the sacrifice. He gave the instruction concerning the sacrifice. And so Leviticus 7, 17, 14. What does it say? It said life is in the blood. The scripture says that life the very foundation, the very life that is inside of you is in your blood. It's contained in your blood, in your DNA. You know, it's like when, 
when Cain slayed his brother Abel, what did God tell Cain? He said, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. There's life in his blood. And his brother's blood had a voice that cried out to God that was speaking to him. You know, the blood of millions of babies in America that have been aborted cries out to the Lord. Do you know that, that those that worship false idols and gods would practice child sacrifice and even kill their children to offer sacrifices and to appease their gods? It's been an ancient practice forever. And it's nothing new. Ancient societies understood that life was in blood. Amen? Do you understand blood? And what's in the blood? Has anybody ever given blood in here? Amen? So Leviticus 17.14, it says, For it is the life of all flesh, its blood is for its life. Therefore I said to the children of Israel, you will eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is its blood. That's what God told them. Whoever eats it will be cut off. So you see, they, they couldn't eat any animals, any food back then that, had, that contained the blood in it. They had to drain the blood out and cook it they couldn't consume any type of blood of the animals. Now let's fast forward because Jesus talks about blood. And Jesus specifically talks about His blood. And the Bible talks very much about the power and what the blood of Jesus accomplished for us 2,000 years ago when He shed His blood on the cross. Is anybody interested in hearing about that? Because I'm going to explain to you why you need to understand the power of the blood of Jesus. So look with me in John the 6th chapter, starting in verse 53. Now here Jesus is speaking to a crowd, and He tells them that He is the bread of life, that He's the bread that's been given from heaven. And further on in verse 50, well, I'm going to start in verse 52, it says, Then the Jewish people were fighting with one another, saying, How is he able to give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most certainly, I say to you, unless you would eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and you would drink his blood. That's what Jesus told them. He said, Unless you would eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and would drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. You don't have life apart from God, apart from the blood of Jesus. The reason why there's power in the blood of Jesus because it's the very DNA of God Himself. Wow. And is that blood on the doorpost of your life and on the doorpost of your heart? So he said, most certainly I say to you, unless you would eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you would drink His blood, you do not have life 
in yourselves. The one who chews my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I shall raise him on the last day. Does anybody want eternal life? And I shall raise him on the last day, verse 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who chews my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. The one who chews my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Now this was a very difficult thing even for his disciples to hear at that time because I want to see the response that they, that they gave to him. This, this word really troubled the people that were present and that he was speaking to. They didn't know how to take it. They were thinking, what do you mean? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. We, we can't do that. That sounds kind of extreme. What are you talking about? Amen. So in verse 57, it says, Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, then the one who chews me or eats me, even that one will live because of me. This is the bread which has come down from heaven. Not just like the fathers ate and died, re referencing to the wilderness, because you know they did eat the food of angels when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. That's what the Word of God says. The one who chews this bread will live forever. He said these things teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum. Then many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This message is hard. You ever got a hard message from, from a preacher or from somebody? Or even from the Lord himself? I know I have. But I don't mind it when God rebukes me or when a, another servant of God does because it's for our good. Amen? He chastens us because He loves us. Amen? God chastens us because He loves us. He chastens us because He loves us. And there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Did you hear what I said? There's a difference between discipline. God disciplines His sons and His daughters through chastening. Because He loves us. It's the same with our children. I discipline my children. I don't punish them. Because I discipline them out of love. Punishment always refers to wrath. Punishment always has wrath associated with it. I don't pour out my wrath on my son. I discipline him and teach him how to obey. Amen? So they said, this is hard. Who is able to hear it? But Jesus, since he knew within himself that his disciples were murmuring about this, said to them, does this give offense to you? Does this give offense to you? Now, does this, the blood of Jesus will offend you if you're not right with God. Because it carries the very DNA and the power of God upon it. It's, it's, the power of God is, is, is very, it's present. It lives inside of the DNA. It's in it. And I want to tell you, the source of the power of God is the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the source of the power of God is the cross where Jesus died, shed His blood, 
was buried, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. Amen? And that's the basic gospel message. So the power of God is in the blood. It originates at that very point. So we have to... Jesus has made a way, and I'm going to get to the Scriptures in a moment, for us to enter in only by the blood of Jesus. It's only by the blood that you're able to come into the presence of God. It's only by the blood of Jesus that you're delivered and, be, and you're able to be set free. It's only by the blood of Jesus. Do you hear me this morning? It's only by the blood of Jesus that healing is yours. It's only by the blood of Jesus that, that you're an overcomer. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that you have access to all of heaven. It's only by the blood that the curse has been removed. It's only by the blood of Jesus. Are you thankful for His blood? It's only by the blood, the blood of the Lamb. So they took offense. They were murmuring. They were taking offense at what He was saying. And you know, so many people are offended today over so much and over this and over that and over the slightest little thing and over politics. And there's so much offense. There's a spirit of offense that is trying to come on people. And I want to tell you this, that one of the greatest signs of maturity in any believer is that they don't take up offenses. That's a sign of maturity. When you don't take up offense, that means you walk in forgiveness. That means you walk in love. When you walk in love and you walk in forgiveness, you forgive people even before the offense comes. That's what it looks like to walk in forgiveness, to walk in love. Offense, Jesus said offenses will come. Offenses will come. But what are you going to do when the offense does come? When somebody offends you, when somebody says something that you don't like, when somebody gives you a hard word, like what Jesus did with these disciples, how are you going to respond? If you're walking in love, if you're walking in forgiveness, your automatic response is forgiveness. You don't even think twice about it. You say, I forgive. You, you don't even allow offense to come into your life. You don't even allow it to enter into your spirit, into your soul. I wish I could get on CNN or Fox News and preach this. Amen? Yes. Preach it to somebody. To the media, to the White House, to the politicians. I don't know. Maybe they need to hear it. <laughs> they do need to hear it, I know. Okay, then in verse 62, Then what if you could see the Son of Man going up where He was before? The Spirit is that which gives life. The flesh does not profit anything. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning there were some who did not believe and who was the one who would give Him over referring to Judas. And he was saying, because of this, I have said to you that no one is able to come to me and let, 
unless it has been given to him by my Father. For this reason, many of his disciples left for the things behind them, for the things behind them. Did you, did you see what it just said? Many, it says many of the disciples left because what he was saying. And it says they left for the things that were behind them. That's what we're not supposed to do. <laughs> Amen. They left because of the hard word that he gave them. They couldn't accept it. They were murmuring. They were complaining. They said this is a hard word. We can't embrace this. What do you mean we have to eat your flesh and drink your blood? This is crazy. What are you talking about? And many of them left for the things behind them and they, they were no longer walking with Him. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Now do you want to go? So the original twelve that He had called and summoned after some of these other disciples that thought they wanted to walk with Jesus, left because of the hard word, Jesus looked at the original twelve that He had chosen, hand-picked. He had prayed all night before He picked these twelve. And He said, do you want to go too? It's a hard word. Do you want to leave? Do you want to leave me? What is your commitment level? to Jesus. How committed are you? You know, commitment is a hard thing for a lot of people. I see this a lot when I talk with people about marriage. Because marriage requires commitment. Marriage is a covenant between you and that person and the Lord. And people in the Western world don't understand covenant. And because they don't understand covenant, we get divorces. We don't understand covenant. We don't understand commitment. We don't understand what we're committing to when we go to the altar. Well, when you chose to accept Jesus into your life as your Lord, do you understand what you just committed to? The Bible says that you've been bought for a price. Your life is not your own. And it was a very high price. The blood of Jesus Christ. An extremely high price. God has fully committed Himself to us by sending His Son to die for us and shed His blood. That's how He committed. That's how committed He is to you and I. But how committed are we to him. Where what is how committed are we? How how far are we willing to go? Are we are we willing to receive a hard word from the Lord that challenges our commitment level? It challenges your commitment. It's hard to get people to commit. I'll just tell you. It's a hard thing for people to commit and to give themselves. But John 3.16, For God so loved that He gave 
His only begotten Son. That's how he. That's how committed he is to you. He so loved you that he gave his only begotten Son, his one and only Son, the Prince of Heaven. He gave him to die for you and I. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you. So Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and we have known that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? And he was speaking of Judas, son of Simon, Iscariot, for this one, one of the twelve, was going to give him over. So Jesus chose them. And of course, Judas betrayed him, as we know. But let's talk about the power of the blood. Because Jesus requires a, a full commitment from us. He requires for us to sacrifice ourselves, our lives, to lay our lives down, to die to self so that we can live to Him, to die to self so that the Holy Spirit would live through us. So what has the blood done for us? What did Jesus accomplish for us when He died for us on the cross? Do you know that you could study that for all eternity and you would never know the full revelation? of all that Jesus did for you on the cross, that's how great it is. You would never be able to exhaust the full revelation of what Jesus did when He died on the cross. Of course, He bore our sins. He took our sins upon Himself. The Word of God says that He became sin. Jesus became sin on the cross so, we, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made Him who knew no sin become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So He bore our sin on the cross. He took the sins of the entire world upon Himself. He redeemed all of humanity. That means there are people out there, those, even those that don't even believe in Jesus, Muslim, Hindu, whoever. I found it interesting. I keep on finding out that there's Hindu churches in Pooler. I want to go preach to them. I'm, I'm going to go introduce myself and, and see what God wants to do. Jesus has already paid the price for those people. He's already redeemed them. He's already bought them back. But now it's their job to receive the finished work that He's done. All they have to do is receive it. The redemption, the price has already been paid. It's just up to us to receive fully what Jesus has done for us. Amen? And we receive by faith and by faith alone, by grace through faith.
So what has the blood of Jesus done for us? Uh, according to Isaiah 53.5, uh, it says, um, By His stripes we've been healed. So Jesus has purchased our healing for us on the cross. He's taken our sins upon Himself at the cross. He has taken all of our sicknesses, disease, all of our infirmities to the cross so that we can be healed. He has broken the curse of sin and death. Jesus destroyed death at the cross. Jesus destroyed this, uh, the curse of sickness and death, of sin and death. He destroyed the curse of the law when He went to the cross, according to Galatians 3.13. Ephesians 2, in verses 13 through 16. What does it say? Ephesians 2, verses 13 through 16. But now you are in Messiah Jesus, who were formerly far away. You have come near by, by means of the blood of the Messiah. So he says, but, but now you are in Messiah Jesus, you who were, who were formerly far away. So you were far away from God. But then it says, you have come near by means of the blood of Messiah. By the blood of Jesus Christ, you've been brought near to God. You've been brought in. Only by the blood. Only by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Then it says, For He is our peace, the one who has made both things into one, and who has loosed the dividing wall of the fence, cause of the enmity of His flesh. By his nullifying the tradition of the commandments by decrees so that he could create the two, Jewish and non-Jewish, into one new man, establishing peace. So he could reconcile both in one body to God through the cross. Through the cross. We've been reconciled back to God. Through the cross of Jesus Christ and through the blood of Jesus We've been reconciled back to God. As God killed their enmity by means of Him, Jesus. Okay, Romans 3, 24 and 25 says that He has redeemed us by the blood. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being made righteous freely by His grace, through the redemption that is by means of Messiah Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation through faith by His blood in proof of His righteousness. God put Him forth as a propitiation, as a sacrifice. through faith in His blood, in proof of His righteousness, in God's forbearance, because He had not punished the former sins before the evidence of His righteousness up to the present time. For He is righteous, even making righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. So He has redeemed us with His blood. Romans 5.9 says He has justified us. The blood of Jesus has justified us before the Father. We've been justified only by the blood of Jesus Christ, only through the cross. So Romans 5.9 says, then, 
then much more now because we have been made righteous by His blood? How do you have right standing with God? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Jesus Christ and that alone. Have you been made righteous? Been put in right standing with God? You've been justified before God. Only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It says, then much more now, because we have been made righteous by His blood, we will be saved by Him from the wrath. We will be saved from the wrath of God. Because the wrath of God is not for the sons of God. It's not for the children of God. Okay? So we've been made righteous by His blood. We've been justified before the Father. So when you go to heaven, when you die, what is the Father going to look for when you appear before Him? The blood. That's what He's going to look for. He's going to look to see if the blood of Jesus Christ is on your life, is upon your spirit, is upon your heart. He's looking for the blood. Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus? That's what He's looking for. That is what justifies us before the Father, before God. Now turn with me to Hebrews 10, and I'm going to give you a few scriptures, and we're going to see what God wants to do here. Hebrews the 10th chapter, actually Hebrews 9. Turn with me to Hebrews the 9th chapter. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. It'd be good if I could find it, right? Here it is. Hebrews 9 is a wonderful chapter. Amen. And it says, Now truly the first covenant had both regulations for service and the earthly sanctuary. Indeed, a tabernacle was prepared. The first room in it had, had the menorah and the table and the bread of presence, which the first room is called holy. But after the second veil in the, in the tent, the one called holy of holies, there was a golden altar of incense, in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, you know, when the priest would go in once a year to offer sacrifice before the Lord, he would sprinkle the blood on top of the mercy seat. That's what he did. He would sprinkle the blood of the animal, which the mercy seat is in the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, where only the priest could go in once a year before Jesus cut the new covenant for us in His blood. Amen? And so the priest would go in and he would have to continually be moving. He couldn't stop. And he, at the bottom of his garment, he had bells and pomegranates, bells and pomegranates, bells and pomegranates. So he couldn't stop moving. That was the, the instruction that the Lord gave. For if, if he stopped moving... If he, if he stopped ministering before the Lord, he would die. He would fall over dead. 
So what they would do, they would tie a rope to his ankle in case something happened to him. Because if he did die while he was in there, they would pull him out. They couldn't go into the presence of God. I'm talking about going into the Holy of Holies. That's where the presence of God dwelt. Okay? It's just like the Ark of the Covenant, when they were bringing it back, um, it was either to Hebron or Jerusalem, that um, one, of the, one of the men mishandled the Ark, how he was carrying the Ark. And because the Ark represents the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. Wherever that Ark went, that's where the presence of God was back then. And so, just because he mishandled the ark, he, he died. Okay? Now, thank God we're not under the old covenant. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Amen? Because we don't have to do all that to come before the Father. And that's what I'm about to give you now. Is that the blood of Jesus has now given us access freely to come before God and to enter into His presence freely and to worship Him. The blood of Jesus Christ. So let me keep reading here. And I'm going to skip down to verse 6. And such as these indeed were the furnishings in the first tabernacle, and so the priest always entered fulfilling the services. But in the second room, the Holy of Holies, once a year, only the high priest, not without blood. See, he couldn't go in there without blood. He had to have blood. Which he offered on behalf of both himself and the people for the sins committed in ignorance. Although the Holy Spirit made this clear. The way into the Holy of Holies had not yet been revealed while the first tabernacle was still standing. The Holy Spirit made it clear the way into the Holy of Holies had not yet been revealed. The way into the Holy of Holies had not been revealed yet because it was only through the blood of Jesus to come into the Holy of Holies into the presence of God. God revealed it through His Son. Which was a symbol for the present time according to which both gifts and sacrifices were brought which were not able to perfect the conscience of the worshiper. Not able to perfect the conscience of the worshiper. They were only regulations of flesh on food and drink and different immersions imposed until the time of the new order. So God brought a new order through His Son, through Jesus. But when Messiah appeared, He was high priest of the things that were of a higher order through the greater and more complete tabernacle that was not made by human hands, that is not of this creation, and not entering by the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood. He entered in. Jesus entered in with His own blood. Not with the blood of bulls or, or goats or of calves. He entered once into the Holy of Holies, finding eternal redemption for us. 
Jesus found eternal redemption for us. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 13, For if the blood of goats and bulls and sprinkling the ashes of a heifer sanctify those who have been defiled, making their flesh clean. Verse 14, How much more the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal Spirit presented himself blameless as an offering to God, cleanses our conscience from dead works in service to the living God. How much more does the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse our conscience from dead works, from the dead things that we have, from the dead things that are going on? How much more does the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse us and wash us from all the dead things that are in us, in our soul, the dead conscience, where our conscience has been seared, and the blood of Jesus comes and cleanses and washes away and renews and, and, and takes all of that away. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse sin. Did you hear what I just said? Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from all sin and completely remove your sin from you. Only the blood of Jesus. That's the power of the blood. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can remove sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse and purify you and wash you. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can heal you. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can deliver you. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can sanctify you and set you apart. Only by the blood. The blood of the living Christ. Then because of his death, he is mediator of a new covenant. See, what did Jesus say? He said, my blood that has been shed for you establishes a new covenant. The covenant is based upon blood. Anywhere in the Old Testament where God came and made a covenant with anybody, there is always a sacrifice and there is always blood that had to be shed. Those are the requirements. There always had to be a sacrifice. When God came to Abraham, or to Abram, He cut covenant with him. He slayed an animal. He slayed pigeons and doves and set them uh, separate from each other. And He walked in between the two of them. And there was a sacrifice present. Every covenant that God cuts is in blood. And this new covenant that we live in is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it says, By payment of a ransom for transgressions under the first covenant, when His death took place, those who have been called could take the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a will, death of the testator must be announced. For since a will is valid only upon death, this is like legal stuff. You know, God, God is a legal God. He does things by His law. He establishes things. And then in verse 21, well, let me just keep reading here. Because on this account, I'm in verse 18. On this account, the first was not, inaugur was not inaugurated without blood. 
For when every commandment was spoken by Moses to all the people according to the Torah, then he took the blood of the calves and the goats with water and, and red wool and hyssop, and this he sprinkled on the scroll and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God commanded for you. Okay, that was in Exodus 24, 8. And he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the vessels of the service with the same blood. Everything in the tabernacle, he put blood on it. He applied the blood. And we could talk about Passover and the significance of the blood, what God instructed him to slay, uh, for everyone to slay the firstborn lamb, a lamb without spot or wrinkle, and put the blood over the doorpost of their home. So when the death angel came through the land, when, he, when the death angel saw the blood, he would pass over them. That's what Passover is. So when God was releasing all the plagues upon Egypt, the last plague that he released for the Egyptians to release his people so that they could go out into their destiny and their purpose was the blood of the lambs. And that was a type and a shadow of what would later come in Jesus Christ. Amen? So they were delivered by the blood. They were delivered out of Egypt by the blood. Can somebody say amen? Verse 21, And he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the vessels of the service with the same blood. Then he cleansed every vessel by means of blood according to the Torah. And without blood being shed, there is no forgiveness. That's what he says. Hebrews 9.22 Very explicit. Very strong. Very forceful. Without the, with no shedding of blood. Where there is no shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. That's what the Scripture says. Now over in verse in chapter 10, uh, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies, or to enter the Holies by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way which He dedicated to us through the veil. This is by His flesh. So we have a great high priest in the house of God. We should present ourselves with a true heart in full assurance of faith, since we have purified our hearts from a consciousness of evil and have washed the body in clean water, we should without wavering hold fast the confession of, of the hope. For the one who promised is faithful, and we should consider one another in provoking by love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as is custom for some, but exhorting and so much the more as you see the day draw near. As I said, now we have confidence to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ. Brother Franklin, could you come start playing for me? Are there any overcomers in here? Are there, anybody, are there any overcomers in Jesus Christ in here? Let me give you this scripture because you need to memorize it and take it to the bank. Revelation 12, 11. What does Revelation 12, 11 says? 
say. How do you overcome? How do you overcome in this life? How do you overcome in this Christian life? How do you appropriate the power of the blood of Jesus? When you come under attack spiritually, what is your response? The blood of Jesus. Whenever you come, uh, whenever sickness tries to come on you, what is your response? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. When sickness tries to come on my house, the blood of Jesus is against you. When the devil tries to come against me and every demon in hell tries to come against me, the blood of Jesus is against you. Is the blood over the doorpost of your home. Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even to the enduring of death itself. You overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and only by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus renders the enemy powerless. The blood of Jesus renders the enemy powerless. Whenever he sees the blood in the bloodline, he cannot cross over it. He cannot cross over the bloodline. He cannot, when he sees the blood, he cannot come near you. When he sees the blood of Jesus Christ that is applied, he cannot come nigh you. He cannot come near you. He cannot come near your home. He cannot come near your children. You need deliverance in your life? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ has all power and authority. And that precious blood that was shed for you is what has purchased your salvation. It's purchased your salvation by the blood of Jesus. What is First uh, John one seven say? First John one seven. First John one seven says. Let's skip to Peter. First John one seven. But if we walk in the light as he, in the, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from every sin. We walk in the light. As you walk in the light as He is in the light, the blood of Jesus continually washes over you. The blood of Jesus is continually applied to your life when you walk with God, when you walk in light, when you walk in truth. When you walk in holiness. And you see the scripture also says in Hebrews. To not trample underfoot the blood of Jesus. To not trample underfoot the blood of Jesus. And the cross. And what he accomplished at the cross. It's only by the blood. So I want, you to, I want to invite you to stand with me.
and just thank Him for His blood this, this morning. Just thank Him right there where you are. Say, Father, thank You for the blood of Jesus, for the blood of Your Son. I thank You. I thank You this day. I worship You, Father. I thank You for the blood. I declare the power of the blood over my life this day. I declare the power of the blood over my life. I plead your blood over my life, over my family, over my children. Your blood covers me. Your blood covers my family. Your blood covers my children. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. We're protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're saved. We're delivered. We're free by the power of the blood of Jesus. We're healed this day by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. You need healing in your body. Just say, I'm healed by the blood of Jesus. Just say, I'm healed by the blood of Jesus. I'm healed by the blood of Jesus. I'm delivered by the blood of Jesus. I am set free. Just sing that. Just sing that song. Go ahead. Close to the lowest valley. Sing it to him.
thank you, Father. We thank you, and we worship you. We thank you for the blood this day, for the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, this day. Father, I thank you for releasing your holy angels, Father, even now, to minister angels of protection, angels to, to minister to your people. And right now, I declare the power of the blood of Jesus over each life, over each life in this room. I declare that you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're protected. That no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. For the Lord has given His angels charge concerning you, and they will bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And we declare that the enemy has no right and has no place in your life. And we bind the strong man. And we command them to go in Jesus' name. We bind the strong man. And we declare that the blood of Jesus is against you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I want you to be seated for just a moment. We're going to take up our tithes and our offerings. So Brother Tracy is going to pass out some envelopes. I need one too, brother. I need one. Thank you. If you need a pen or an envelope, um, we're going to take up an offering. I want to ask you to sow, if you would, this morning. Uh, it takes money to to do ministry. Amen? I don't think a lot of people realize that sometimes. Anything you do in life takes money. <laughs> to, to, to drive somewhere. <laughs> to, do, to eat. Amen? So, um, we're going to take up an offering for the church. And just so you know, I don't receive any money from the church personally. I have my own business, so I don't depend on the church to pay me. Amen? So, this is solely to go towards ministry, to build the church up and to reach more people. And that's what we plan to do, is to reach more people, and more people, and more people, and more people, and more souls, and more souls. And so, um, also, if we don't have your information, if we don't have your uh, contact information, I would like to get your contact information from you. And I want, you to, I want to ask you to consider sowing into the kingdom of God. Amen? To advance His kingdom. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're all about doing, is advancing the kingdom of God and reaching many souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Does anybody want to reach souls for Jesus? Second Corinthians 9 says, And this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each just as he has chose in his heart, not reluctant, reluctantly or from compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to abound all grace in you, so that in all things always, having sufficiency, you would abound in every good work. God gives us grace to give. Amen? I want to be a giver, not a taker. It's in God's nature to give. God, God always gives. He's a giver. He gave His... His son. He went so far to even give his son. And so the Bible also says that he gives seed to the sower. So even if you only have a little bit of seed, when you give that seed, when you sow, that seed multiplies. So if you give a dollar, it should multiply in God's kingdom to ten dollars. The kingdom of God operates based on multiplication, not addition and subtraction. So when God takes our, our money, He multiplies it. He supernaturally expands it and stretches it. Only God can do that. Okay? So as we honor God with our finances and in everything that we do in our life, and our finances is part of that, then He blesses us. Amen? He takes care of us because it's all His money anyway. Everything that I have is not mine. It's all His. I'm just a manager. I'm just a steward. So I ask the Lord to bless you today as you give and that the Lord would bless you in your finances and that the curse of poverty is broken over your life and that you are successful that you are that you your finances we declare that abundance in your life financially every provision every need is met god supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory in christ jesus god supplies all of our needs and god is supplying all of your needs and he's even doing exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think or imagine in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing for us, Franklin. Thank you, Father. you, Jesus.
Father, we thank you. We give you honor. We give you glory. And Father, I just thank you for going forth with your people now. Father, bless them. Be with them. Father, we thank you for sending your angels to go with your people to protect them. And Lord, that you would lead us and guide us into all truth by the Holy Spirit. So I just say the Lord bless you now and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance upon you. And the Lord give you his peace and release his blessing and favor over your life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you to, of course, we meet here every Sunday now at 1030. And I'm going to start looking for a building in the pooler area because I need something more than a temporary meeting place for all that we want to do so we can do more things during the week and also on the weekends. So if you know anybody in the pooler area or if you know anybody that rents or leases space or if you know of any place keep me in mind pray for us we need a lot of prayer amen we need God's help but I want to tell you that God has provided everything that we've needed to start out with everything everything that we've needed he's provided it he stepped up and provided it and he continued to answer prayer and so we've put our hand to the plow and we're not looking back and we're going to keep working and keep working and keep working and keep plowing keep plowing and begin to reach out to the community and more and more souls so we're going to begin to gear up for what is it? i think it's april 16th is resurrection sunday easter to do a awesome outreach to the community in pooler and you know the savannah greater savannah area whatever you want to call it and reach out to the community and get ready to just have an awesome worship experience so that's what in about a little over a month two months yeah you could say two months and so I'm really looking forward to that and um, so I invite you and invite somebody to church you know most people don't go to church because nobody ever invites them most people that don't go to church say that they would go if somebody would just invite them to go so we should be reaching out to people saying hey Come worship with us. Come on. Come this Sunday. Come be with us. Come worship. Come, come see what God wants to speak to you. Come see what He has in store for you. Amen? So let's invite people to come. Tell people about us. We're on Facebook. We have a website. TheRiverSAV.org You can find